Hey, why don't you pray with me before we move on? So, uh, God, here we are. Uh, our hearts are set on something. Uh, some of us have our hearts set on all kinds of other things other than you, and we want to learn uh, to put our hearts in your direction, and we want to learn to adore you. So we're here to learn from you today how to do that. So teach us. Pray this in your name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, welcome. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. This is the last week of a series uh, we've been working through all uh, summer long. We've been uh, talking about texting God, using that as a metaphor for learning to pray. And we've been learning some real practical tools and tips and insights into how to pray. And we've been using the Psalms. Jesus uh, quoted the Psalms. The Psalms are the prayer book in the middle of the Bible. If you take a Bible and open it, kind of right in the middle are the Psalms, and for thousands of years they've been the prayer book for Jewish people, for Christian people, and uh, we've been using those as a guide for learning how to pray together, and this is the last Sunday of that, so I'm really glad you're here. Um, next Sunday, just to let you know, we're going to start in a series called Man Code. Now, in an attempt to uh, be a man, I am attempting to grow for the very first time a very pathetic beard. So, if it looks like I have dirt on my face, I don't. It's an attempt, so give me some grace, right? Uh, but this is, a, this is a really important thing, and I'm, I'm, if you're a man, if you're a, wanting to be a man, and you're 11 or 12 or 13, you don't know what that means, if you're 30, 40, 25, 60, whatever, uh, I, I, I never went to school to learn how to be a man. No classes were offered, uh, no one said this is what you do, you just kind of pick it up, and we're kind of confused about what it means to be a man today, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, starting next week. Now, if you're a woman, you may say, well, what? I just, thanks a lot. Uh, what, I just not going to come for three weeks? No. Listen, you put up with us. Uh, you have to endure us. Uh, you have to figure out how to get along with us. You have to figure out how to guide us many times and pick up after us and keep us from having, you having to pick up after us. I need you here as women because you're going to help us, right? So this is, this is for you too, but when it speaks uh, specifically to men. Now, this, prayer, this series we've been doing on prayer, it's so important connection to God, but man, I'm telling you, I think this is one of the most important things we're going to talk about this year, is, is being a man. So I really hope starting next Sunday you'll, you'll be here for that. Hey, uh, before we read the scripture we're going to uh, read this morning, let me just real quickly tell you again why we do this back-to-school fair. Four to seven, uh, families are going to show up, and we're going to give away haircuts, and we're going to give away school supplies, and we're going to give away used books, and we're going to raffle off some bikes, and we're going to raffle off uh, some book rental fees, the $100, $200 you pay to your school. Um, we're going to give away snow cones and hot dogs. And You may think, are you telling me there are people who can't afford the simple things it takes to get ready for school? Yeah, I am. Uh, and, and if you're there and you're giving away those notebooks or you're giving away those pencils or you're serving someone a hot dog or you're serving someone a snow cone, I want you to know I am commissioning you to become a dealer. And what I'm commissioning you to become a dealer in is a dealer in hope. Because when you, listen, you may think this is not consequential, it is. There are people who are going to show up today, and they don't believe anybody cares. They don't have anybody that routinely gives to them, or helps them, or says, you can make this. And when you hand out a crayon, you're not handing out a crayon, you're handing out hope. I would love it if we could be the kind of church that would change the narrative for the city and the change the narrative for the generation that we live in so that this is a city of hope, right? Could that be the case, that Portage, Indiana would be a city of hope? Could that be a reality? Could we do that? 
Could we help make change the story in people's minds so you don't come here and go, oh, I guess it's a place you go and it's kind of hopeless. How about if we change that? And so raise your hand if you're going to be a dealer today. Dealers and hope, okay? That's you. That's you. That's what you're doing this afternoon. So thank you for doing that. Stand with me if you would. We read a passage of scripture together every, uh, every week. And I'm going to invite you to read this out loud with me because this is uh, inviting us to do something telling us to do something specific, and so uh, you're going to beat the nine o'clock service. You're going to read it a lot more louder and a lot more enthusiastically, so here we go. You ready? Psalm 134. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of of heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, this is talking to us about blessing. So I got a question for you. Who in here wants to be blessed? Anybody, anybody, right? And I'm not talking about blessed. I'm talking about hashtag blessed. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's become a thing, right? Uh, it's, come, it's become the stand-in for anything good that we want in our life. So I went on social media and I looked at hashtag blessed, and I found all kinds of things. I'm not going to show you the pictures because some of them are not appropriate for a pastor to show you on a Sunday morning. Uh, but the list of things that people, these are l- real things that people hashtag blessed, okay? Uh, someone got their nails done, blessed. Uh, someone, someone got a new workout shirt, hashtag blessed. Uh, they were watching the sunset. Someone finished a run. Someone was at dinner with their dog and put hashtag blessed. Right? Dog lovers are like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Uh, someone got a new tattoo, hashtag blessed. Um, someone was out drinking, hashtag blessed. Uh, there was someone who scored t- concert tickets to Ed Sheeran, hashtag blessed. Right? That's, that's what we want, right? We want our life to be hashtag blessed, right? Isn't that the case? Uh, well, today we're going to talk about the link uh, between prayer and being blessed. We're going to talk about that. Uh, this morning. And then I'm also going to talk, just as a part of this, we're going to talk about what has been, if you've been following the news this week, uh, the, the ugly thing that has happened in Charlottesville, Virginia. We'll talk about that uh, just a little bit. Game, with, game for that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Chuck. Uh, so <laughs> as we go through this series, we've been talking about uh, dispelling some myths about what prayer is and what prayer isn't. Because uh, a lot of us carry around a bunch of myths about what we think happens when we pray. And then we've been offering a tool and then looking at the psalm and then uh, doing a lab, actually putting into practice what we talk about that morning. So let me tell you uh, what prayer is and what prayer isn't, just real, real briefly. Prayer isn't, uh, contrary to what many people think prayer is, prayer isn't wasting time. Uh, there's a meme that uh, goes around that says like this, because this, this is what a lot of people think prayer is. They say this, they say, uh, prayer is how to do nothing and think you're still helping. A lot of people think that. It's that. What a waste of time. You may not go that far. You may go, well, I'm a good Christian person, or I believe in God, and I don't think that. But you, you in reality, in your life, you think you don't have time because you're too busy. you got too, uh, too many important things. Prayer, prayer isn't a waste of time. Prayer isn't something that it's not worth having time for. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is the most important work that you will do in your day. Now, there's a guy named Martin Luther. Martin, you'll hear about him starting in, in September, October. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, started what was called the Reformation. It changed the face of Europe. Changed the chase. He was a Catholic priest. Uh, and this is what he said. He said, I have so much to do each day that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. Now, I don't do that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. 
But he understood that what he was doing when he prayed was he was connecting himself to the source of life. He was like a vine tying into the root or like a branch tying into the trunk. Now, I'm not an arborist, but I try to go around and I try and trim my trees. And I'm sure I'm killing them because I don't know what I'm doing. But I'll sometimes go uh, later, a few months after I do it, and I'll see one of the little branches that I trimmed off. You know what's happening with that branch in three months? Nothing! Because it's on the floor. It's not connected to the vine. In fact, it's withering. There's no life in it. But the branches that I leave in the tree, in the trunk, what happens to them? They grow, right? They grow. It's prayers being connected to the source of life. And so it's the time that I spend praying that carries me through my day. Uh, I, there's a pastor that I, uh, lives in another country that I follow on, on social media. He put this out, and it really got me. He said, if I spend a day, if I go a day without praying, I feel it. If I go a week without praying, my wife feels it. If I go a month without praying, my church feels it. Now, it hit me because I went, I've, I've had some prayerless days. I've had some prayerless weeks. But it's the same for you. You go a day without, without being connected to the source, finding out what's important, you'll feel it. You go a week without that, man, the people around you, the most important you are going to feel it. You go a month without that, everyone around you is going to feel the pain and hurt that come out of you that you've not found a place to deal with it. That's what prayer is and what prayer isn't. Now let me give you a tool um, to help you uh, as you pray. One of the things that I do on a routine basis is I sing my prayers. Now you may say, what do you mean? No, I don't make up a song. I take a song that's already been written, like one of the ones that we will sing here on a Sunday morning, and I'll sing it. I was at the gym the other morning, and I had, it was actually Good Good Father that we sang that came on my headphones, and I'm working out. I'm, I'm singing. It's a prayer as I'm working out. And you can do that. You can take, uh, you can take, a prayer and you can sing it if you if you uh we'll post it on facebook this week but uh we have a spotify channel that has some of the songs that we sing on a regular basis you can get that if you don't know what spotify is ask someone under 40 they'll tell you uh but you you can uh, you can sing the the prayers that you have it's a tool to help help you pray help you connect to the source now uh this psalm right here psalm 134 is a part of uh, a subset of the psalms the psalms div- divided up Um, in multiple little sections, multiple little prayers, Um, and each has a number, Psalm 23, Psalm 130, and Psalms 120 through Psalm 134 are what are known as the songs of ascent. They were the songs that a good Jewish person in ancient uh, Israel would pray three times a year as they went up metaphorically and geographically to Jerusalem to be part of the festivals and the feasts, and they would pray all of these things, and those Songs of Ascent, that last psalm, this one we read today, Psalm 134, was an articulation of the end game of the journey of faith, the, the end of where you're headed. Uh, now, I say this is a good place to pause and ask a really important and very good question is, where do you want to end up in your life? Now, there's an eternal aspect to that. Where do you want to end up? That's a pretty important question to answer. Uh, it's an eternal kind of question it's about eternity it's about your your long-term future but it's also a this life question right what kind of person do you want to be at the end there's a guy david brooks he writes for the new york times and he wrote a book called the road to character and in the road to character he says that we have two different kinds of virtues that we tend to cultivate he says he says we have what we call the resume virtues like here's the things that i'm known for and that i'm hired for and that people 
value me for? And he said, that's one thing. And we tend as a culture to spend all of our time on the resume virtues. Like, this is why you should like me. This is why I'm a great person. This is why you should be my friend. This is why I'm important. He said, but there's a whole other category of virtues that he calls the eulogy virtues. It's the things people are going to get up at your funeral and say, this is the kind of person he was. Guess what they say at your funeral? They rarely ever say, list your resume virtues. It may be listed in your obituary, but when people stand up, they tell you the eulogy virtues, and they say, this is the kind of person he was. And what the psalmist is saying is the journey of faith, as you journey uh, with God and you journey in the direction that God's taking you, takes you to become the kind of person that when they say the eulogy virtues, it's great things. And then you, there's a goal to, your, the, goal to the, the end of your life. And the, the, the journey of faith is how God turns you into the person that he's always created you to be. That's how you get there. Now, the journey of faith has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end. The beginning, if you've been around uh, faith and Christianity, is, it starts with this word called, repent, word called repentance. Repentance means a change of mind, a change of path, a change of values. A change of direction. If you want to start on the journey of faith, everyone goes through that door. Everyone changes their mind about their life. Everyone changes their path and goes in the direction that Jesus is going. Everybody cha- That's the start of the journey of faith. And then in the middle, it's where you grow. It's where you learn to love God. You learn what God's like. You learn to love your neighbor as you love yourself, Jesus said. You learn why you were put on this planet. You learn the places where you can serve and make a difference. And you learn that you can be a person of hope. And you learn that you can be a dealer in hope. And you hopefully become the kind of person who spreads the good news about Jesus in a viral kind of a way, in a, in a natural kind of a way. And then there's the end. And this is, the, this is what the psalmist is saying, is that in the end, we get to be with God and all of his blessing, and we get to experience all of his blessedness. Now, this word, this word blessed, uh, there's, there's two different um, Hebrew words in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that are, uh, are, are translated as blessed. One is kind of the word where we get the idea, at least, you know, hashtag uh, blessed, uh, is where we get that. It's, you know, it's, I, I want my life to have all good things in it. And it's, it's the blessing of God. We think uh, these are the things that God, we want God to give to us, what we want from God. You know, it's the blessings we think that descend like spiritual dew onto our lives. Oh, you know, we, and there's, there's some reality to that. The word here, though, is the Hebrew word barak. Not the president who recently just served eight years, not Barak. And it means to, uh, it's an act of adoration. Say that word with me, Barak. Okay, you, you did hear what I say, right? Try it again. That was terrible. Barak, ready? One, two, three. Barak. Okay, there you go. That's good. And what it means is, is it, it's an act of adoration. Uh, it carries with it kind of the idea that you would bow your knee. Oh. It carries the idea that there's something that's so weighty that you would bow your knee. You would become a different kind of person. It carries with it the idea that you would be humble. Why, why would someone bow their knee? Well, they're humbled in the presence of someone great. Why else would someone bow the knee? Well, they're, they're willing to submit themselves to somebody else. Um, there's, when someone bows the knee, it's almost like this involuntary thing. There's this feeling of awe that comes over them. Is, there's that. I, when my wife, Andrea, and I, um, each time we had uh, a baby, we would take a trip to a city just for a few days to get away before the baby came. And before we had Hudson, our oldest, uh, we went to New York City. We lived in Virginia at the time. It was about a five-hour drive, so we drove to New York City. We got a hotel off of Times Square that was the size of a closet uh, for way too much money, and we stayed right off of Times Square. This was 2004, so this was after September 11th. 
And I, I remember I came around, if you've ever been to Times Square, it's just an amazing experience. And uh, I came around the corner one day, and I heard this incredible roar. And, and it was unlike any roar I'd ever. I thought, what is going on? I was looking up in the sky. I'm like, what is going on? And so I looked around the corner, and right over here is the building uh, that where MTV did their show, TRL, Total Request Live. Now, I used to watch MTV when it was music television. Now it's all the stupid stuff we do as Americans television. That's another, another story. But they would have, t I don't even know if TRL's on anymore, but what happened was this big glass window, and the what, whoever what the, the artist was, they would go to the window, and there would be, there were these preteen, uh, preteen bopper girls who were like, uh, this massive crowd of them, and some, some teeny bopper, whoever, was at the window, and they let up this collective, <sighs> this, this act of Barak, this act of adoration for this person who showed themselves at the window. And, and it, it also, this idea of blessing carries the idea that because you have an act of adoration, you speak well. Because see, all those girls were saying, he's there, that's him, he's the best, he's so cute, I love him so much. They were doing all that, right? <laughs> now, this is what the psalmist says, is that God actually does this toward us first. That God speaks well of us. There is nothing more humbling, think about this, that God himself would put on human flesh and come in the vul vulnerable, humble form of a baby? That, that God would become a man and, and Jesus became a man. He, the, the word for what Jesus did was technon, where we get the word technician, his job. He was a day laborer. He was a common guy. He had his name on his shirt. He worked with his hands. He didn't have a big job with a pedigree and an education and a huge income and a corner office, wore a suit every day. He's just a common guy. He humbled himself. And then he, he let himself be killed at the hands of religious violence and religious hate. Paul said in his letter to the Christians in Philippi that was in, in the New Testament, he said he emptied himself. Like he gave absolutely everything that he had. He emptied himself of everything that he had for us. Out of love for us. Now, I don't mean to downplay God's emotional maturity, but in one sense, when you come to the window of your life and you look at God, God is like the preteen girls who go, Yes! Why? Because He loves you. And He wants you to share in His blessing. He wants you to understand what it means to know His love. God is like that preteen girl. Well, what's, He wants us to share in His blessing. And it's prayer that connects us to the blessing that God wants to bring in our life. So the psalmist says that God does it toward us, but that we're then, God blesses us, but then we're to direct that back toward God. And we're to, he says, bless the Lord, Barak the Lord. And what he's doing is he's telling us the end of our journey. At the end of our, you see, another translation for that word Barak is, is you're more familiar with this word, is praise. You, when you bless something, you're praising something. And when, you, when you're in heaven, when you're in God's presence forever, you know what you're going to do? You're going to praise God for all eternity. Now, you may go, well, that sounds so incredibly boring. You mean I'm going to be like in a church service for all of heaven? No, that's not the, really the picture. But there's the idea that you're going to say something is so worth my time and energy that for, forever I'm going to always be praising that thing. Now, listen, you praise something out of your joy over that thing. You praise things that are praiseworthy. You do it all the time. And when you praise something that's praiseworthy, guess what you do? You let everyone around you know how great it is and you can't stop talking about it. 
when I grew up as a boy in elementary school in Omaha, Nebraska, there was a kind of food that was not available to me until I went to college in Kansas City. Now, I don't know if you know, but Kansas City is world famous for a certain kind of food. Do you know what it is? Barbecue. Yeah. Burnt ends. Beef brisket. Pulled pork. It's delicious. Uh, the worst barbecue restaurant in Kansas City is better than the best barbecue restaurant in all of Chicago. I'm just telling you that right now. They're everywhere. But when I tasted the burnt ends from Jack Stack, which is the best barbecue in America, don't argue with me. When I tasted them, guess what? I had an explosion of praise. I was like, Barack, everybody needs to know about the burnt ends at Jack Stack and their beans. It's unbelievable. And I'll tell you that all day. You, you get me started on barbecue in Kansas City, you won't get me to shut up. Why? We praise things that are praiseworthy and we do it out of joy, right? That's, so this, is, this is what the psalmist is saying, is when you're going to praise God, you're going to do it out of joy. It's not going to be an obligation in heaven. You're going to want to. You're going to go, this is the most amazing thing. See, this is, this, is, this is the whole message that we're trying to convey. Is Man, wouldn't it be great if you knew the joy of following Jesus? I don't know anybody better who could lead your life any better than Jesus. I don't know anybody sweeter. I don't know anybody gentler. I don't know anybody more patient. I wish that I could take some of the joy that I feel if you don't know Jesus and I could put it in your heart and you would go, oh, I get it, praise. And you would go, I have to, I have to change the direction of my life. I wish you could get that. But this is what the psalmist is saying when he says we're going to bless the Lord. He's saying at the end of our journey, when we're in heaven, we're going to praise God. And that's the end. So we need to do it now because this is what I know about you and me. We are future-oriented creatures always. However we think about our future is determines how we act in our present. Did you know that? There are people who are going to come to the field tonight, and, and, and listen, when we serve the people who come to the field tonight who have needs, we're not doing it in any way because we feel like we're superior or we're better. We have as much need in our own way as those people do, but there are people who are going to come, and they don't have any resources, and they don't have anybody who's going to help them, and we're, if, if you're in that kind of a scenario and you don't believe there is any hope for you, and you are stuck in your situation, guess what you tend to do? Well, there's no hope for me in the future, so I might as well make the most of the present, and I might as well feel as good as I possibly can. And that's why there are rates of drug addiction and alcohol abuse that are just through the roof, because people are just trying to escape the pain. Because we are all future-oriented creatures. We all act now the way we think things will be then. And the psalmist reverses it and says, now, if, if then, in the future, you're going to praise God out of joy, then bring that into the present and bless the Lord right now. Start right now acting the way you will forever. This is why we come together on a Sunday morning like this. We gather together every week with Christians around the world. Billions of Christians around the world do the exact same things. We come together because we want to be, re be reminded, oh, in the future I'm going to bless the Lord, so I'm going to start right down today. I'm going to barack the Lord. So you may have had a fight with your wife. It doesn't matter, you're here now, so bless the Lord. You may have had a quarrel with your neighbor this week. It doesn't matter, you're here now, so bless the Lord now. You may, be, uh, you may feel guilty for the, the ways that you felt about your life and some of the thoughts that have gone through you. It doesn't matter, you're here now, so bless the Lord. You may be embarrassed about the number of times that you've quit in your life or given up or wanted to be done with it. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, you're here now, so bless the Lord. Act now based on how it will be then. Now let me remind you again that to bless is an act of adoration. It's an act of humility. 
it's an act of submit. You're, you're saying, I'm going to submit my life to God. It's an act of awe. Listen, yes, when you get to the window, when God gets to the window and sees you, he's, he sees you and he's excited, right? But the, the reverse needs to be true as well. I, that's why I think it's great if you, if you plan to be here on a Sunday morning, you go to bed at a decent hour on Saturday night. You don't like stay up. Hashtag blessed, I'm out at the concert. You know, nothing wrong with that. But you come in so that you can realize, I- I'm here to be in God's presence and be in awe of God and like those preteen girls go, oh, you're so great. I, I, you could say amen there. It'd be okay. It'd be all right, be all right. You, for you to do, it'd be okay for you to do that. And what you learn when you, wor- when you worship God on a regular basis is you learn that life does not revolve around, you're not the sun. Instead, you begin to worship the sun, S-O-N, right? Uh, this, this is one of the things that prayer teaches us. As we learn as we continue to pray. Now, I, I, need, I need to pause right here, and I need to, and you'll see the tie-in here in a second, but I need, I need to talk about um, what's happened the last few days in our country in Charlottesville, Virginia. If you haven't been watching the news, what, what happened is um, some people who believe in white supremacy um, they call them the alt-right. Some neo-Nazis um, have descended on Charlottesville, Virginia and had a march to say, white power, white rights. And um, I, I, need, I need to talk about that uh, because I have, I have a friend who says this, and it stayed with me, told me a number of years ago. She says, you, you cannot change or heal what you do not acknowledge. If you want to make a change in your life, you got to acknowledge what's there because you can't make a change. You can't heal something that you won't acknowledge. You, can't, you just can't do it. We can't change or heal racism in our country until we acknowledge it. Now, this is hard. I'm, I'm, I'm white, right? In case you didn't know. In case you couldn't see that. I, I don't know what it's like for a person that has been judged all of their life and assumptions made about them all of their life because of the color of their skin. Now, I'm not being political right now, okay? So if you get mad, that's your fault. Uh, I'm simply saying, if you don't understand what it's like before you spout off about why it's not that way and it's not the, go talk to someone, a person of color, and say, genuinely ask them, what has it been like for you having the color of the skin you've had in this country? And listen, I'm telling you, you'll be blown away. But we cannot heal or we cannot change that until we'll acknowledge that. And so I've just got to call that out and say, it's, it's wrong. On every possible count, it's wrong. It's ugly, it's distorted. It's, it's, it could not be more dark. And we want nothing to do with that. And as a church, we want to be a racially reconciled church so all races, all colors, all languages that are, live around this area can be a part of this. Because you know how heaven is described in Revelation chapter 7? This is how John saw heaven. He said, and I saw before me a great multitude of every tribe, every color, every tongue. Guess what? If you're white and you're in the majority in America, you're not going to be in the majority in heaven. <laughs> you're not. It's going to be all tribes, all colors. So if that's how it's going to be then, then we act like it's that way now. And we welcome everybody. So man, as hard as I can, as much as I can, that act is a cowardly act. Now listen, I want you to go out of here and I want you to challenge racism when you see it. I want you to call it for what it is because you cannot change it if you won't acknowledge that it exists. But don't play on the same terms. Don't also engage in hate. The Apostle Paul says that when we fight, we don't fight against 
flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. In other words, no human being is ever my enemy. That ideology that of hate that those people are gripped by, that's the enemy, not that person. So don't use their tactics of hate to get them to stop hating. It won't work. You have to, over time, uh, bless them. You have to love them. You have to say, you have to expose to them their own hate so they can see it and say, it's, I, I can't do that anymore. And it may require sacrifice on your part and on my part. Because listen, you can't bless the Lord with your mouth. Praise how great you are, God, how wonderful you are, and label a whole group of people as being wrong for the color of their skin. You can't do it. James writes his letter in the New Testament. He says, listen, uh, it cannot be that out of the same spring comes fresh water and salt water. And in the same way, out of the same mouth can't come blessing and cursings. This should not be. So we're, we're acknowledging that racism is a reality and we want to be people who are, have nothing to do with that and work against it and acknowledge that it's there and it's a reality for um, millions of people in our country and we're going to stand with them as followers of Jesus, okay? And we're going to do that as a church. We're going to stand with people for that. Yeah, absolutely. So now um, we, we, have to, we have to practice this and uh, the band's going to come up. And I've got to admit uh, that I don't think I've taught you well, um, at least while I've been here, to, to praise the Lord, to barak the Lord when we're together. Because uh, right in the middle of this psalm, you know what the psalmist says, the way you bless the Lord? He says, lift your hands when you're in the sanctuary, right? <laughs> lift your hands when you're in the sanctuary. And, and when I was growing up in church, uh, the, uh, that was not the thing, right? Excitement was showed in the church I was growing up. You would ra- you'd keep your hands way down. And then you, if you got excited, your, your eyebrows would go up, like, oh, wow, that was great. So some of us are not you. Some of us grew up aware that's okay, right? You raise your hands. I, but we raise our hands for a lot of reasons, right? Remember when you were a kid and you were in class? Why'd you raise your hand? When you knew the answer, right? I know. Why, when, you, when you go to a concert, why do you raise your hands? Ah! Right? When you go to a sporting event and your team scores, you don't even have to think about it. What do you do? Woo! You raise your hands. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to bless the Lord with me. We're going to sing a song that we sing here all the time. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And you may, it may be like this for you today. And this is not for anybody else. You may, this may be as far as you get today. Right? That's okay. That's all right. You don't have to worry about anyone else's experience. You can have your own experience right here, and you can, with us, bless the Lord, okay? So let's sing. Let's bless the Lord together. Come on. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul,
tell each other you're okay. So find somebody you haven't seen and let them know. Give them a hug. Stare at them. I don't care. If you're at home, find somebody. I don't care. Find somebody. Tell them they're all right, all right? See you soon. Listen.